If a campaign gets launched with no insights, is it even really a campaign? You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. Welcome to episode 52 of The A-Game. I'm excited today. I'm excited every day, but I'm excited today because we have a new entrant, Sarah Shamsey, who her title even doesn't do her justice. So I'm not even going to mention her title. What Sarah does is she's a business analyst is functionally what she is. And our business is shifting heavily uh, into data aggregation and insights. Um, and so I'm, I'm couldn't be more tickled that you are here today. Do you want to? Thank uh, you. See, she's already a natural. <laughs> she's already stepping over me. And one, Charles and Charles Schaefer, who is our senior director of account planning, who has been on one previous episode and was so good. The ratings were so good. Oh. The number of downloads were so good that it sounds like he might have a, a full-time slot. I heard what, that it was the highest rated podcast of all time for anything. Well, whoever told wow. you that was a liar. Yeah, but I thought so. I, like, I thought so. I like the enthusiasm. So what I want to get into today, uh, usually we do, we're very current event related. Today, we're, we're not going to go so current event as much as current tactic. Um, and I want to specifically talk about that because of the amount of influence it's having on not only the business that we currently do, but the business that we've been winning and uh, why I think it affects that. And it's uh, one of the reasons directly that Sarah's here because uh, she, along with Joe Hannum, run uh, so deeply uh, in this sphere. But what we're talking about is insights and analytics, the massive data um, that washes over everybody all the time, but it's particularly difficult in the marketing realm of things because a lot of the data uh, we come come in contact with in and of itself on face value doesn't mean a lot until it's paired together with other things. Um, so Joel uh, pretends that this isn't really his area of expertise. I beg to differ. <laughs> well, go. Yeah, first of all, we, we should have like a really pro provocative entry intro every week because that was a really good intro. Thanks, like, man. Yeah, does it, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, you yeah. know, you know, if a campaign's launched, yeah, that's great. But I mean, Jeff's right. So everything we do, I mean, Sarah and, and Charlie and Joe and and uh, other smarter people in the building are, are lead our analytics effort. But it, but it really does. If you're not um, using data to measure everything that you do, um, then you're doing it wrong. I mean, we, we use data to intricately and exhaustively uh, insert other, um, uh, you know, really ridiculous adjective slash adverb, uh, analyze our stuff. I mean, so we've uncovered, you know, we've used it to uh, help us identify what platforms are, are uh, most engaging based on audience. Within the within that platform, what type what type of content is most engaging in that within that platform? So, uh, really um, exciting times as far as what you can use your numbers to to do for you. More than that, I want to jump in here. <clears throat> yes. Oh, I love it. That there she is. There She's she in. Is. <laughs> More than that, we use it to answer questions. So Joel kind of jumped ahead to some of the ways we use it to answer questions, but it all starts with very clear, focused objectives. So if you don't have a clear objective. You don't really know what you're looking for, and you're jumping into a pool of crazy, overloaded information, and you're trying to make sense of things that may not seem so clear. It's very muddy, and so the objective will lead you through the data and help you navigate it and make sense of it. So much this actually, more efficiently. Charlie, to me, this this brings an interesting point. It, even from my uh, the the time of my career, 
I feel like we've we as a business now have pivoted from reporting, quote unquote, you know, doing something in the rears to try and you know validate a performance um, to really more where you lie, which is understanding an audience and insight in order to make those judgments in advance of a campaign like Sarah's talking about so that we can architect outcomes up front that we can then monitor in the back end. What are some of the things that you're doing now that we're doing that help us in that upfront um, to maybe make sure we're reaching the right people? And Sure. Well, I think there's a, you know, a strong correlation with, as Sarah was just saying, if you know what questions you need to have answered and can pull the data forward and then pull it all the way back up to the early brief process or even the discovery process with the client, you can often lead to new insights, new findings, whether it's from brand truths or to audience segmentations, swapping things, changing things, evolving things, um, just by really looking at the data in different ways. And I think um, this is where visualization comes in pretty heavily. Yeah. Like how do you how are you sharing this data with people? I think if you're visualizing it appropriately, it's easily digestible. If you're not, you can confuse everybody to the point of no return. Um, so I I really think it's important to just boil it down, make it look interesting, make it look compelling, given the data accuracy. Sir, do you so I think you probably get both sides of hey, we gave you a raw extract of stuff. <laughs> Do something with this. Here's a, here's a, here's a <laughs> versus when when something is presented in a visualized format, do you see do you see a drastic difference in not only the retention of internal teams but like how that flows to a, a client or whomever the external source is like, "Oh, I get it now." versus, "Oh, here's 8500 rows of data because that'll make me seize up." So I feel like our focus is able to shift entirely from spending so much more time combing through rows and rows and rows and columns and columns and columns and trying to make sense of it to now we're able to get together as a group and spend 15 minutes talking about what is the story and monitoring a trend rather than reading through line items in a huge Excel file or CSV. So we're able to take a lot more from the conversations we're having because our media teams can get involved, our creative teams can get involved. Everybody can look at it and understand the same things and have different angles of what they're looking at. So one person's chiming in from a media perspective saying, how is our campaign performing? Well, the creative guy is saying, hey, I need to make a change to my creative. I need to swap out a subject line or a headline or change some body copy. Whereas if you're in an Excel sheet, you're looking at one thing at a time and it's taking way longer and being way less efficient and way less collaborative that way. And now we're able to work as a team better. What if you really screw up your assumptions up front? Is it easier now to pivot on that? Absolutely. Because the data's flowing in? Because the thing I, the thing I always look at is like, you know, you, you're making, this. these are all educated guesses right up front. I mean, you've got years of experience like Joel has. You can make some pretty good educated guesses. Mm -hmm. But at what point do you get through and you're like, oh, shit, not good? I feel like we've had that happen even recently with some more qualitative it's work. It's a fact of life, right? right? I mean, it's just going to happen. Mm -hmm. Where we go in thinking we're going to find a lot of information. We're going to see a lot of 
strong dominant results in one area and then we turn around and find out there's absolutely nothing and our hypothesis was completely off where that is a huge insight and a huge finding when we run into something where there's a gap or a void and we expected to see something that's the fun part for me and and i think the best clients are well the best agencies and the best clients are those that um aren't don't marry themselves to their findings because we're obviously in in a time where things can change quickly right so um I think our goal and our, our, what we, what we try to offer is we're able to, um, adjust on the fly, as you mentioned, and, and really uh, evaluate ourselves and, and our, our clients performance on an ongoing basis. And that helps us be nimble to, to make those changes. You know, I, I, I talked earlier, sorry, but sorry, Jeff, um, you know, about some, some client work that we've done and we've been able to find what's most engaging on a platform level, on a content type level. Um, but you know, those things then have changed. And I think our, our best clients and the clients that I'm speaking of specifically understand that and are, are uh, you know, comfortable enough with us on, you know, readjusting. And it's not, it's not going back to our original, our original findings say, oh, well, you were wrong. Well, no, we weren't wrong. We, we were right then. And now it's, now it's shifted. This is, a, I, I use a term from time to time called uh, we work in a zero perfection business. And I think so much of expectations for anybody on anything are the level of upfront like, hey, this is a zero perfection thing. <laughs> this, this is not, there's no such thing as I got the perfect number of clicks, I got the per- any of these things. But I think you sit in probably with an interesting visibility over the length of you know, the last decade of your career coming from more traditional print in, in those types of media into social. And social for you know, the, the early inceptions was you know, just a, a visual medium in so many ways. It wasn't about an analytics player and insights play. But now I would assume that you know, there's no strategy that you go into that, doesn't, that isn't about the measurement mm-hmm. almost as much as it is about the content calendaring or whatever it is. That's, that's had to have changed a lot over the last, what do you do, the last five years? Yeah. I mean, even in my, in my previous stop, it was early on, it was, ah, there's not really a way to really, really, we think that we're doing good stuff and, and driving our uh, driving, um, engagement and, 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 um, awareness and that sort of thing. And yeah, we're not really worried about, uh, you know, uh, conversion. Yeah. You know, uh, now that's, that's certainly changed even yeah. with organic stuff. You know, I mean, you're, you're building toward, um, uh, the, those things even, even organically. And so the, it's been a, it's been a major change. Well, and our reliance on data has informed how we even set up our campaigns. Mm-hmm. So Joel and I even work closely together for some of the social stuff up front to make sure that we're tracking everything appropriately and we're covering all our bases and we have everything set up with the right classifications and groupings sure. and setups up front. So it's much more of an early conversation in the work we're doing than an afterthought where it's like, oh, how did that do, you know, two months later? Now mm-hmm. it's like this is present every single day, every single post. We're saying, is this content relevant? Is it meaningful? Is it reaching the right people? Is it getting the kind of results we're expecting to see or wanting to see? Or do we need to pivot and make a change, as he was starting to say? So one of the things that frustrates me is in the, the sp- specifically back to when I was talking about we're looking myopically at KPI of one specific, a click or a, you know, a view, whatever the case is. And a lot of the times these are BS metrics viewed through just that lens. Like, oh, I want to know that my views are more than that. have gone up by X percentage across number of videos, whatever the case is. How do you set people up? I get with the right expectations, but also 
How do you piece together the story up front to say, hey, you know, XYZ client that we're going to work with, you know, these these are nice things to see as indicators of intent, but you know, we need to see the whole field in order to make an accurate judgment on your business. Right. I think this this goes back to uh, I think a marketing term that gets thrown around but is oftentimes ill-used, and that is the dreaded marketing funnel. Oh yeah. Mm. I mean, the marketing mm, yeah, funnel. It's a funnel, all right. <laughs> the marketing funnel, it's a funnel. is is uh, oh, marketing cycle now. Wouldn't a cycle be like more apt than a funnel? A funnel Wait. indicates that it just ends at the end, and now we have momentum through you know influencer engagement. Mm-hmm. We're spinning things back Ooh, around into I brand like awareness. So aren't we? I guess you, we're. Do you see the spy, do you see the sparkle you just put in Joel's eye? Joel, I like that. He. So, so what do you? Do we need a whiteboard? Oh, we might need a whiteboard. In the I can. Studio. I can Venn diagram just something go, up really just quick. Go. We can, so, I, but before you continue, sorry, the the funnel it does seem a little outdated, right? Well, what are you doing with with them when they get to the bottom of the funnel? Are you just leaving them there? No, you yeah. want them to. Right? You want them to come back? Sure. sure. I love it, Charlie. Go. So is it a well, fun- look, funnel to a cycle? Look, my guess is if is we- funnel go to a hamster wheel? If we all went back to marketing school tomorrow in a college, it probably looks a lot more cyclical than it did when my ancient body was in a marketing, <laughs> at a marketing desk when I was, you know, in my <laughs> teens. So uh, my guess it is more funnel or more cycle-like than funnel-like. But it is—it's still a very important construct because it—it it gives you the construct to guide a client from the beginning to the end of the campaign. What do you need from an awareness play here? What do you need from an interest play? What do you need from the decision play? What do you need from your uh, optimization slash momentum play as you yeah. move forward? And I think you really like KPIs only live in one area of that. Mm-hmm. So if you are really looking at click-through rate, you're probably in that interest area. You're probably headed over there trying to get down to the conversion portion of the funnel. So your KPI is really only valid there. I think one of the things that uh, as we're setting up campaigns as marketers, where you see problems or where you see fall-offs in uh, agency and client relations when it comes to understanding KPIs is not, is trying to have one thing achieve too many things. And I think that's the problem that you're indicating. Yeah. So like, you know, if click-through rate's your number one thing, but you really need to increase sales. Is that going to, yeah. how, how does that I KPI clicked you, help I clicked you, you through to a shitty landing page. Could do you, you saw, yeah, you, exactly, saw, you, saw exactly. you dropped up. It had a clown's exactly. face on it and you're terrified right. You just ripped off the oatmeal and put up something <laughs> right away. It d- didn't help you at all. Um, so I think it's important to look at it through that full funnel. I, and I think it's that's that's how you provide value by looking at it from more of a consultative lens as opposed to a tactical lens. And I think if you can back up and put that consultative lens on it, whether you're an account director, a digital director, a strategic planner, wherever you are, uh, I think it's it's just super useful. And it's super useful always backing that into conversations that you have with clients. Oftentimes when you get into analytics discussions, uh, at least I've found this in my past. It's like, hey, here's data from that thing that we did. Uh, you, you didn't want to set it up with anything? Nothing? You got no like glitz or glamour beforehand? How about just setting it up saying, hey, before we get started, let's remember what we're looking at today. Let's remember the purpose of it. Your sales are down. All your measurements that we had this campaign try to achieve succeeded. 
maybe we need to now look at adding an area to your campaign for that conversion layer. So Sarah, does this now make you a unicorn? <laughs> because you're the rare entity that can analyze data and yet tell a story around it, as in indicated by your presence on the podcast today. No unicorn. This is a huge team effort. So kind of what Charlie's saying oh, is... Oh, look at it. She, she even deferred. We, unicorn. Oh, what a pro. We humble humble to, unicorn. We have to work together First on this. Time. So we all support each other. So he supports us with knowing what are we trying to solve for, where are we trying to drive our customers or potential customers, and we help kind of fuel his path further. So once we get them to a conversion, what do we do next? What's the next step with them? How do we turn them from somebody who bought one time to somebody who's gonna buy again or refer to somebody else? And how do we give them the right information? What's relevant to that customer or that person that's gonna turn them into an advocate? And we just keep pushing further and further by working together. So yeah, I can make sense of it to some degree, but he's gonna help add the context to how we got there. And then our creative team is gonna chime in with more. Like what can we do next for this person? Humble unicorn. Humble you. Humble you. But I think I think the in Joe Joel is a senior person I think would agree is the ability to uh, look at, analyze, and collect relevant data is one thing. Certainly a skill set that a lot of people can make a career on. But can you can you then tell a story of why? Good or bad. I think we get in trouble a lot of the times when we always want to tell a good story. Oh, this is this way because blah blah. Sometimes it's because we did the wrong thing. But it's 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 about testing, and you know I just think we get into this scenario all the time. It's back to a zero perfection, is those conversations that you have with people like you know this is not always going to be great. <laughs> well, and this is where it becomes a story that's bigger than just the numbers. So you have to factor into other outside Ukraine? other outside influences <laughs> no, like seasonality, <laughs> for example. That's not something that you're going to see in a click through rate. You're not going to see a current newsworthy event happening in your data like without context. You need the context of what's happening. So you might need an account person to say, hey, they're making a change on their team and they're going to swap up something or they're going to change their pacing or we're going to change something or there's some other event happening that's not represented in one media campaign. You need to know what are the outside influences that are in fact, in fact impacting your results. Joel, do people want that or do they just want you to do better and better and better? Do they want honest conversation? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I think. I mean, I think so too. I was trying to trap you. It was a trap question. Uh, no, I mean, I think most people are are cognizant of the fact that, like, when we have major gains on certain on the channels that I oversee and our, my team oversees, um, there's probably a pretty good chance that the next month is probably going to come back. <laughs> you know, come you, back to yeah, you have a crazy month and, or, or maybe the, you know, as I, as I mentioned, you know, we've, we've studied platforms and all that stuff. So a steady rise is, is, is great. I think there's probably, it probably stands to reason that those folks understand that, you know, at some point it's probably not going to be quite like this every month. You know, there's, there's, there's gotta be, um, some leveling off. So you talked a lot about in the social platforms that you oversee organic versus paid and how there's a real disparity uh, coming from those platforms now uh, in terms of you know, what's what's visible. Do you think it's just going to be increasingly harder from a data perspective for you all to tell those stories through those channels, uh, those data stories like, you know, we went to market with this and this is really what we think happened? Or do you think that's, you know, just people getting nervous about 
you know, uh, privacy regulations and stuff like that? Or do you think, I mean, do you think it's really going to start clamping down to the point where we have less and less access to see what's happened from those, those non-paid entities? So are you saying organically? Well, I'm, I'm jumping around a question of the platforms in general. Well, I mean, we've seen across, for all of our clients, organic reach on Facebook has, has dropped Plummeted. massively. Absolutely. Uh, I, this, I, I've said that this on the podcast before, and we're not there yet, but eventually, I mean, your organic reach on Facebook is going to be zero. Yeah. You know, Instagram is not there. Um, actually, Instagram has been a major growth platform for many of our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you know, those platforms are owned by the same person. And so um, uh, stands to reason that eventually that's going to follow suit to the other platform. Yep. So, you know, you've got to, you know, we we caution that um, you've, you've got to have paid as part of your plan, so. So Sarah, you've, your career is, is younger than oh Charlie, Joel, and I respectively. However, still seasoned. What are the biggest changes that you see coming? What are the most impactful things that you kind of see that we're doing right now and how they're going to change from like a reporting and analysis standpoint moving forward? Is it, you know, visualization? Is it aggregating everything together? What do you think? I think that's a huge part of it. I think um, we're able to be more efficient now because we're able to connect and have automated connections as when you say to, efficiency you just mean the intake of data correct. the right type of data yes all of that we're able to process it much faster clean through it um, make sense of it put it into nice visual representations that we can talk about much faster and be more informed and then we can observe some trends and start to actually get to a point where we're hopefully able to pr- project forecast out um, anticipate what's going to happen next when we make a change. Whereas right now, I feel like a lot of what we do ends up being very um, reporting out what just happened, very prescriptive. Now we're trying to be more predictive. So we're moving to a way where it's like, hey, if this is how this campaign has historically performed, what are we expecting when we launch this next one? Mm-hmm. And trying to start to model our results and forecast a little bit more. Um, I think that's something that's coming up just across the board as far as data and analytics. Also more um, interest in trying to use it to make other more informed decisions in your business. So beyond just the campaign you're working on, is it even the right approach or tactic? Like, should we step back and say, hey, this has performed good or bad as a whole, or do we need to pivot entirely? So it's not just about like focusing on one component, it's about focusing on the whole and bringing everything together into one view and trying to see where can you make the biggest impact and hit your audience the hardest or reach a new audience? So it's just being more strategic with the results and the data. Hot take, in your career, do you think you'll see the end of people doing one-off spreadsheets that they throw over the wall at you on a monthly basis? I hope so. Expect to <laughs> make something happen. Is I, that sure, a, I sure hope so. Is that a, it's a soft yes. A hopeful, <laughs> a hopeful yes. yes. Charlie, um, talk to me a little bit. I, I think one of the neat things, we, we've only been working together for a short time, but I think in that time, um, one of the things that I've very much noticed is the depth of upfront work um, that you and some of our team bring to campaigns um, that or just clients in general um, that are making a massive impact on, you know, things that we recommend. What do you think are outside of these clicks and, and uh, click-through rates and views, 
What are those upfront data sources that you guys look at and have access to surveys or you know whatever that you think have the most impact to give people like Sarah, people like Joel, the ammunition to not only architect campaigns, but then to follow them and pivot them as necessary? Right, right. So I, I would say if you are if you are looking at spending your research budget and you are saying, hey, we want to launch a campaign, we're not quite sure. First, you're going to recommend should... that brands have a research budget. Yeah, you <laughs> should have a research budget, whether it's an analytics budget or it's an all-in research budget. I would always recommend early doing some sort of qualitative research, whether it's focus groups, whether it's ethnographies in home, whether it's even just getting on the phone and talking with consumers. The reason being is everything downstream from an analytics standpoint that you're able to pull back up. The reason you're able to pull back up and the reason why you're sorting it is because you know what questions you want to ask of that data. Usually you discover what questions you ask, you want to ask about data from your customers. If you can do that before you launch a campaign, you can start in a much safer place. And this is not uh, a new idea by any means. I mean, for decades, people have been copy testing TV ads, right? You go in early, you want to get an idea from a focus group on why they like certain ads, why they don't like certain ads, why they like these concepts, why they don't like the concepts. And that gives you a general idea, a general north star of where you want to focus your campaign, some key insights up front. It also levels you hypotheses. Mm -hmm. So what are what are the hypotheses that you're going to have as this campaign runs? Because it's never a linear answer. Like a campaign's never one answer. You're trying to pick the best answer out of oftentimes many good answers, get it in front of people, test it, and now we have the ability to change it mid-campaign. We used to not have that ability. You mm -hmm. used to be stuck with it all the way through a campaign. You bought your media. You, you were rolled done. it out into the world. Joel saw it on TV and he either bought your ring or he didn't buy your ring. Yeah, or you can or you canceled your media buy and you called that, you know, quarter a wash and your board or stakeholders get real mad at yeah, you. Yeah, they were a little angry usually, a little fussy. Um, <laughs> which was rightfully so. You you have you're rightful to been be there. fussy. You've been there? Yeah, yeah sure. So, sure, man. Sure. I deal with fussy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but to Charlie's point, now we're able to be more nimble, more responsive whereas before we'd report on that We'd, he'd do the focus groups, he'd test it, he'd say, okay, this is the one we're running with, and then we'd wait until the campaign ended to find out how did it perform. And we'd look it's at nonsense. it- nonsense. We'd look at it backward, and now we're watching it in near real time, or in some cases real time, saying, how is this doing right now, and do we need to make a pivot, and can we make a pivot, and what is the right pivot to make? So here's a great question, is now that we have access to, we're assuming some upfront work that now we have near real time data, that we're looking at and making decisions off of, we're trying to make decisions off of. How soon is too soon to be looking at that data? Because you give you open Pandora's box, you give somebody access to it on a daily basis, and you just have a refresh button. Like, how soon before you? How like how long do you have to let something breathe before starting to make changes to it? Uh, I'm sure it's different from channel to channel, but well, we've had we had an interesting conversation with a client last week. Um, where there was hesitance, you know, we have these proprietary, uh, you know, databases and this sort of stuff that we can give our clients access to. But but our contacts at this client said, well, I don't want you, I don't want this shared with my bosses yeah. because for that very reason, 
they're going to look at it. They're like, well, why is this? Why is this red? Why is this down two percent today? Well, you know, it's it's you know, it's a very it's a stock market. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> it's right. Up and down. Yeah, I'm making bets over here. Sure, sure. So uh, it's a great question. I think you know it, it varies based on campaign, based on client, but um, there is a tendency, I think, to now use this great tool at our at our disposal to. Um, well, well, our job is to not react rashly and react, yeah. uh, um, uh, you know, purposely, purposefully. Uh, but it's interesting. Your question raised uh, that recent conversation it was just funny. Like, I don't want people to see too much data because I don't want them to, uh, you know, think the wrong thing. But it also goes back to the fact that now we have some context, whereas before, maybe you'd launch one campaign, it'd be an isolated campaign, report on it in that moment, and then you kind of forget about it and move on. Now we're looking at things with historical context once we have a campaign up and running. So when we're looking at a trend and it starts to dip a little bit, we're saying, is this just a moment in time and it's going to pick back up? Did this do this last year? Did this do this the previous year? Or is this something to really be concerned about? Is this really weaning and we need to make a change? So we can be more thoughtful and armed with historical data to make those decisions or like data. So compare campaigns for a single client versus each other. Um, If there's two campaigns in a kind of similar nature, if one's performing really well and one's performing poorly, what's the one doing that's doing well versus the one that's performing poorly? And we can educate ourselves a little bit more and see if there's some difference that we should be capitalizing on. So do you two, just out of curiosity, do you two think that Sometimes when you have odd dips, it's often just the algorithm figuring out the right audience, especially when we're looking at social and digital networks. I mean, it just it, it always amazes me how quickly the like Facebook algorithm now catches up. If you see a dip, it moves things to an audience that might be more preferable based on what they're seeing really quickly for you. Uh, my take on it is that if we're seeing non-performance on Facebook, that's a pretty good indicator that that's a type of content or a subject matter that people don't care about in the audience. Um, now the trick is that we have stuff, um, that we sort of have to post, not have to post, but like it's stuff, it's like owned assets that we need to get out there. It's checking boxes. Sure. Sure. Um, so you can't judge, there has to be some, you know, like for one of our clients, there's, you know, like trending topics seem to perform best that we've studied that. Uh, but you can't post that every day. And frankly, there aren't that many trending topics in the industry. There's like four and you can't post that about that every single day. That's too much too quick. Yeah. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a great way to like juice some of the performance if, if you need a pick me up uh, in a week or a month. But you can't post about that stuff every day. So, um, yeah, to your, to your point, Charlie, I think that. Facebook's so good at at getting stuff in front of people who want to see that stuff that if if people aren't reacting or interacting with that post, pretty good indicator that that that, that content is no bueno. It's it does no vary bueno. by platform, though. We've seen in some other platforms that are not social, more digital space, um, that sometimes it does take some time to get going, and sometimes it'll change. So it, it varies. Facebook's a little different. Hard pivot. We woke up this morning. It was forty-seven, a little over overcast, a little rainy. Starting with Joel, moving clockwise. You happy that this type of fall is here, or are you like, oh shit, here comes the winter? I'm not happy that falls here. 
I that's, that is a minority opinion. We had a great summer. It was great summer. It was not too hot. Um, I despise the winter. It messes everything up. It, it's harder to get kids out the door. It's harder to get outside. It's dark when you get home from work. It's a, the kids are just monsters. Um, <laughs> oh, is that just my kids? No, you're projecting. Uh, you're projecting <laughs> right now. Is that just my kids? Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's not. No, no, I didn't think not. so. I, I knew that. Um, so no, I I, uh, I hate the winter. Oh. I have been waiting for this since oh yeah. June. She's like, there's songs singing from her eyes. She's so happy it's fall. I love this. <laughs> I'm uh, kind of in between. I, I think today... Wow, you're we, the Neapolitan we, ice cream uh, of answers. I am. I'm horrible, horrible. Wow. I'm not, no Chunky Monkey here. Uh, <laughs> Is Chunky <laughs> Monkey really have bananas in it? Never even had it before. Just probably flavoring, probably right? Just some flavoring. kind of fake banana. Yeah, it's awful. Um, yeah, I thought that, you know... Yesterday was great. Yesterday, for anybody that's not in Cleveland, was a solid 57 to 59 degree day. Really you, you can walk around the city. It's fantastic. Eh, we went down a little bit too much today. I need that 50. I needed to stay in that mid-50s for a couple weeks, get the leaves turning, and then we can go, go down and get towards winter. But... Uh, Hey, there's no snow yet. This yeah, is, there's no snow. This is beautiful. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm Did, pretty excited. It could be when we leave. I'm there, pretty excited yeah, literally myself. Literally could be. I love this time of year. If, if the sun stays out, I could care what the temperature is, really. it's uh, This is fun. But this has been great. I don't think... I, if you listen to the podcast for the first time today and you thought that Sarah was a first-timer, then you don't know what you're talking about. Because that was... You, you're just... You are loaded with hot takes. You are a gun full of hot takes. Humble unicorn. Humble <laughs> unicorn. We're going to go somewhere with that. I think so. a couple of the things that I took from today, um, you know, a lot of people think about analysis as a an after the fact. I, I really think what we're seeing is um, analytics and the ability to properly analyze things really starts up front. Um, it is a thread that goes throughout the entire process. And I think, you know, treating it as such begets a lot more success. Um, I think visualization in terms of bridging the gap between people who are highly analytically minded and able to comb through large pieces of data and tell the story um, makes us all better. It makes everybody friends. It really does. And it, it gets everybody farther collectively. There's a door quote. Uh, if, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. You want to go far, go with others. Jim will like that one. But I think this is the this, this it wraps in that perfectly. Like you know, if if we start up front and we know that you know our goals are ish out here, we can construct things around them so we can make really effective campaigns. And you know, we started to touch on it uh, just at the end. But how much is too much in terms of you know pining over you know these automated sets of data, looking for trending and patterning and patterning, and that's a that's a client by client kind of thing and I think it's always an interesting kind of nuance for us to try and navigate but that's I guess probably why we've been around for 30 years so all in all thank you guys so much Sarah Shamsey Charlie Schaefer Joel Hammond really fun episode today something tells me this quartet is going to be back together sometime in the near future you can shake your head all you want but it's it's the the boulders running downhill now Sarah you've proven yourself to be worthy see y'all next time episode 53 and we're out.